Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Flutes Extra with Jean-Paul Wright and I'm... D- Hello Claire. Hello John. Yeah, why are you looking at me so funny? I think this is a, a Talking Flutes podcast, not a Talking Flutes Extra actually. <laughs> oh, I was trying to get one in. I was trying to no, pinch no, one no. off you. No, 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 this is mine. This is mine. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> is that because I've just had a coffee? <laughs> yeah, but well, we're going to uh, continue our talk about building the brand... Oh, where we left off last week, where yeah. Where we left off, yeah. So we were talking about um, how to build a brand, how to promote yourself, and how we keep our integrity while doing this, finding a niche, building on it. So basically how to be successful. In a way, that's quite easy. We have to practice. Yeah. So if you, if you want to be successful, that's the first thing you have to do. You have to practice, practice, practice. But then if you want everyone else to know who you are, and respond to all the work you've put in, you have to build your brand around all that work you've put in. So can you build a brand... I'm, OK, I'm coming here from a different perspective, but can you build a brand from when you're at music college? Do you bring in that process then? I'd have thought so, because you've got to start thinking early on about what you want to do with your life and how you're going to do it. I think... I, actually, I have found in the, in, in the last quite a few years, that many students don't think about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. They, they have their lessons, they practice, but they do it in a sort of bubble without thinking about the reality of finding a job or creating a niche in which they can work. And it, that takes time. So we talked in the previous podcast about you know, your unique selling point. And it's when you're, at, when you're at college that you can discover what that is. You, you know what you're good at, and you can, you can push that and develop it. So it might be, for example, that you find you're really good at maybe Baroque flute. And you start to build on that and push that, and that becomes your, your unique selling point, that you actually maybe even change instrument. Um, and you only discovered it because you're offered Baroque flute at, at music college. So, or it might be that you go and do a jazz course and you find that actually you're far better at doing a different genre of music than classical. You just don't know where it's going to take you. But you've always got to be open to new ideas, new paths, and then try and build on that. Fundamentally, you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself, what you're good at, and that's what you can push. So when, do you, when did you know what you really wanted to do. In other words, it's, it's great to have a dream, but sometimes dreams don't always end up in reality. And there is a positivity panacea, isn't there, where people say, just be positive. But ultimately, you can be positive, but your level isn't necessarily going to get you where you're dreaming it goes. And you're trying to find your brand. Where do you find the realistic points where you genuinely can be? How do you... Be completely honest, because we all want to be good. Obviously, you've got to feed back. But how do you? That's quite a hard area for your music student, isn't it? It's very hard, and of course, different stages of your life have throw up different obstacles. I mean, for me personally, until I was uh, fifteen, I was going to do medicine. Strange, so was I. I was. I played. I played flute, but it wasn't particularly serious it was a great hobby loved it 
but my whole intention was I was going to do medicine. And then my family were moved, my father's job was moved from Manchester to London. And I had to leave school at a crucial point that last year, of the, the final year of GCSEs. And I had to change all my subjects. I had to change each, each syllabus for each subject was different. So, for example, history, I was doing sort of old history and the new school was doing 20th century history. So all the work I'd done for the year before was null and void. So, to cut a long story short, I was very unhappy in my new school and I buried myself in flute. And I would, when I, by the time I got to sixth form, I would sort of sign on at school and then go home and practice. And um, I remember chemistry clash with music. For some reason, I took music. I think it was because it was what lifted me in the bad days when we first moved to this, to this school. So it's interesting how your, how your life can take a different path. So once I started to sort of bury myself in flute playing and I realised that actually I could do it, do it quite well and I'd, I'd got into, my, into music college. When I got to music college, I just, having decided that's what I was going to do, I literally buried myself in flute. So you weren't aware of building a brand, but once you'd made no. that decision, that in effect, looking back, I was, was totally the beginning. Focused. That was the beginning. Yeah. I was totally focused on being the best flute player I could possibly be. And in order to be that best flute player, I had to work. I got up at six o'clock, I'd done four hours practice by midday, still had all my lectures and, and uh, tutorials, and I worked my socks off. So I don't, I don't think I went out for the first two years. I just worked. It was, it, was, it was intense and incredibly satisfying because I progressed. So that was the beginning. So that was to enable me to have arrive at the level that was needed in order to do something in the music world. Mm-hmm. And after that, you start thinking about, well, no one knows about me. How, do, how are people going to get to know about me? So in those days, it was a case of you, you auditioned. I auditioned for everything. Did every competition going, uh, every audition for any job or any concert series. I did everything. Now, these days, it's, it's slightly different. So, you know, you have to think about things like a, you need a personal statement, you need a biography, you need a website, you might need a music blog, you might need to think about how you're going to work with social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Who are you going to write emails to? Because with Google, you can find out all the people that could help you within the work you want to do. So it's all to do with your interaction with areas that can help you in your quest to, to building your brand. So let's take, a, let's take the, the, the biography to start off with. So I said it's like, um, it's like a personal, personal statement. You need to show it to someone you can trust. So when you've written it, show it to someone. Can I break that down a bit more? Can you explain to me, obviously I know what a biography is, can you explain in detail the importance of what a biography is? Well, it's your personal statement, so it's... It's It's you in a nutshell, It's you in a nutshell, and you need, you almost need two, you need one sort of general one that's maybe just on one page, you know, maybe a, a, you know, a big paragraph that encapsulates what it is that you're about, what is it that, that you do why you do it and why you want to do it. We talked in the previous podcast about this emotional connection. It's no good just saying, I'm very good at this. You know, book me. (laughs) You have to say, 
why you're very good at what you do and what you feel about, you know, what is, how, your, how your passion for the fl- all things flute can be shown to other people. So it's not a cold biographical sentence. No, it's about how you interact with... You, you will interact with your audience or interact... If you, it's for teach, interact with your students. And you, you sort of create that image that encourages people to book you. And you want to look at other performers to see how they promote themselves, how they write their biographies and, and how they promote their brand. And there's going to be good and bad, so you're going to learn from both. Mm-hmm. So it's good to look at bad ones, you know, so you know what not to write and what photographs not to take and, and all those sorts of things. How you verbalise your ideals is crucial. Is it going to inspire your audience? And then promotion, general promotion, it can be in many different ways, can't it? So you've got... Your, you might have a brochure, or you might have a website, you might have a music blog, it might be live concerts, you might be uploading performances, because that obviously is another crucial area, might be uploading on, on SoundCloud or YouTube. As I said, it's all to do with this interaction. Websites, they're like your calling card. So as when I started out, I I'd literally did have a calling card. I had a, a, a business card. And... Um, I remember the first time I went to the States that I I printed off about a 1,000 business cards and I gave most of them out. (laughs) So, you know, I was just leaving them everywhere and throwing them out. And it would just be short and sweet to to describe what I did and where they could get hold of me. But these days it's websites. So websites, you need to keep it up to date. Um, It's great if you can add a blog so people can read about what you're doing on on a regular basis. Look at other performers' websites for ideas. So the first thing you have to do is buy a domain name, which is very easy. Um, it's not expensive. And then I use a, a website builder called Weebly. And it's, okay. it's free. You can do the very basic website free. And it's easy, even for me. I mean, I make a lot of mistakes. And occasionally I go and look at it and I see I've, I've muddled things up a little bit. But you can edit it. You can see who's visited your site. You can promote things. So websites are, are really important these days. Because that is a, yeah, it's your face to the world, isn't it? It's your it? face to the world, absolutely. And then you can direct people from there to go and listen to you on YouTube or on SoundCloud. Um, make sure that what you want people to see and what you want people to listen is something that you're happy about, proud about. And maybe someone else has looked at it to see that it's okay so it's all very well putting up a live performance, but if you make a complete hash of something in the middle of it, uh, then people are going to hear it. Yes. So you've got to be careful. Make sure that you've, you read things before you post them and listen to things before you upload them. So sharing, your, I said, sharing performances is crucial, uploading to all those things. Uh, Instagram, of course, you can put videos on Instagram. Well, at the moment, I'm just doing some live stories of you talking are you? on the podcast. Yes. Oh, dear. That's why my camera, <laughs> camera pointing to you. I thought you were just reading your text messages. <laughs> I wouldn't be so rude, my lady. <laughs> uh, 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 websites. We talked previous podcasts about photographs. You need to build up sort of relationships with your photographers, with, with other people who can help you. Uh, and I guess so make sure that suitable photographs and build up your contacts that, that you can use. If you have got help from various people, make sure that you acknowledge that. 
So you mention it in your website, you know, thanks for all the help from whoever it is. Just like you would give due credit to your companist on a performance, you give due credit to everybody else that assists you in your drive to promote yourself. Yep. Actually, not many performers acknowledge they're a companist. Really? No, no. I, I notice quite often. So it's, that's really important because you are nobody without your accompanist. They are half your performance. They, they are the reason you can be there. But that's another topic. I thought that was today. basic manners. It is basic manners. Sorry, they're I'm not, digressing here. But I'm not totally shocked. Does it. Not everyone does wow. it. Not everyone does it. Really important. The on-stage partnership, it's almost me, 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 yeah. me. Which brings us back to something we mentioned before about talking to your audience, that you talk about the fact that you're, you're a team just as if you're on the golf course and you have the professional golfers have a caddy and they talk about a team that they win something they post a good score it's it's a it's a team of two and whether on stage you're either a team of if you're just by yourself of one or with your accompanist with two or a team of two or more if you're if you're playing chamber music Mm. so you you need to acknowledge and when you when you're talking to your audience you you talk as 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 a team you know, it's not just it's not just you. Yeah, sorry, um, Claire, I digressed you off there. I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to uh, cover that point. Yeah. So, so that's an important point. And then I talked to her about you find your niche, and you you build on it. Um, so I'm thinking of, of 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 people who have have found their niche and have built on it. There are three people I'd like to talk about: Andy Scott, Ian Clark, and Mel Oris. Okay. So we'll start with Mel first. So Mel is a a flute player, and she has started a publishing company where she, called Wonderful Winds, where she uh, transcribes and writes lots of pieces for wind instruments. And if ever you need music for wind ensembles, that's where you go and look. It's absolutely, absolutely stunning. She's an incredibly gifted arranger and composer. And she's built this niche. And our doorbell, my doorbell's just gone. And, and the dogs the are dog going. Well. This is great. The dogs are going. The dogs are going. Well, people I know hope, it's live. I hope uh, Rolf is going to open the door because it's... Yeah, he's doing that. So we can... We can <laughs> so, so, yeah, so... Mel has created this... Um, Wonderful website where people can. I'm still being distracted by these dogs. Now, John Paul, can you just shut that door for me? Sure. That, so that we can get a little bit of peace. Yeah. Well, if you just throw that door shut. <laughs> so we're just trying to get the dogs out of the room. There goes Minnie. Excellent. Now we shut the door. And John is about to lose his headphones. Right, okay. I'm back. So back to Wonderful Wind. So Mel has created this incredible niche of a a wealth of music that people can go to. Then you have Ian Clark, who has... His niche is around contemporary flute playing, based on his compositions and introducing flute players to new techniques, new ways of playing new compositions, and it's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's very individual. It's got its, he's got his own personality uh, that is so different from anybody else. 
uh, Andy Scott, same thing. Not only great saxophonist and professor of saxophone, but the most incredible composer. And he hasn't limited himself just to saxophone. He writes for all sorts of combinations, but has written tons of flute pieces. And it's, uh, again, he's developed his own niche and fantastic music, accessible for all. So those three people are very individual and everyone who's listening today who wants to sort of build their own brand needs to think how they can find their own unique selling point and build on that. And that is where success comes from. It does, being completely different. Being different. Without being too gimmicky. Yeah. And, and if you're just starting out, you're not going to know yet. So don't, don't worry about it. Don't go looking for something that isn't there, that you haven't got. Work hard, practice as much as you possibly can so that you get to the level that you need and then assess what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and build on your strengths. And we talked earlier on about uh, communication, of course, is really important. If you're not good at communication, if the, the thought of talking in front of an audience fills you with horror, practice it. Because you can get used to it. You know, so, so work at it. Talk in front of a mirror and imagine the audience is there. And practice what you're going to say. Write yourself notes so that you're not going, um, um, um. That's the worst thing. And don't introduce concerts with, you know, I'm going to play a piece by this composer, born here, died here, and here we go. It's trying to, to find something interesting to say, and there's no problem at all about having notes in front of you, as long as it doesn't look like you're reading from them. So you've got your biography, you've got your brochure, you set up your website, you make sure that you've got audio recordings on, say, SoundCloud that are linked into your website. You've got some video recordings you're happy with on YouTube and you're cross-promoting them on all the other social media channels. Is that virtual networking? How important is net physical networking now compared to when you well, were When I was starting it? out, the physical networking was, was the most important thing. I mean, it was, it, there's a lot to do with who you know not necessarily how well you play. Isn't that in life, though? Uh, that's, uh, it's the same in life. Uh, and, you know, you'd go... You know, if, you're, if, you, if you want to work with different groups of people, it's how well you interact with them, not necessarily how well you, how well you play. So networking, from, from when I was starting out, it was crucial. Uh, you had to be in touch. In those days, it was writing letters, ringing people up. I was awful at ringing people up. I hated phone calls. But it was... I get a really important part of what you did. But if you write letters, if people write back to you, make sure that you then reply so that you are on top of, of the networking that you're doing. Um, so these days, I find that a lot of people get a little bit lazy. They get lazy with the emails and they don't do anything else. So it's the emails, but they're not actually going and talking to people. So... If, you, if you're doing a concert, make sure that you are interacting with the promoter, the people who are helping you, uh, the people who are setting up the stage, setting up the hall, the person doing the lights, the person doing the front of house, that 
they get to know you as being, you know, a nice, a nice sociable person who is nice to have around and who is asking if they can, they can help and you thank them for all the work they're doing and so that they have a really good impression of you. So when you go, people are saying, oh, wasn't it lovely to have Joe Bloggs here today? And, and it was, they made it all so easy. So you can't be a prima donna. You can't go, can't arrive and find the dressing room and say, I don't like this dressing room, I need a new one, and I'd like three litres of, of Buxton mineral water and um, a margarita pizza before I go on stage. You've got to be far more approachable and easygoing. And that's exactly the same for social media, in that you can't just post a picture or a video or video link and then just wander off. If you're going to post that, if you really want to make your way up the ladder and become popular, you need to be approachable. You need to interact. And if you don't, your brand will suffer as a result of that. People will stop following you because you're unapproachable. So it's all to do with that. We're going back to that original point, aren't we? Communication, integrity. Communication and integrity, absolutely. And, and I said earlier on being honest and authentic. So That's honest with yourself, isn't honest it? Honest with yourself and making sure that if you're going to speak about something, someone or a piece of music, that you speak from your heart... So you can be critical, but you've got to be careful about how you're critical. So you've got to be constructive in your criticism. And you can't be abusive or rude or without thought. Yeah, because on social media, the reaction can be immediate. You put something up and somebody else could put this fire straight back. Yeah, and that's, that's always a problem. And I think you've certainly mentioned in the past that if you're going to put yourself out there these days on social media... You've also got to be, have a little bit of a thick skin because you're going to get things back that you don't like. And that's hard as, you're, as a performer. That is hard. Really, really hard because we talked about this emotional link and the fact that you're putting out your, your emotion in your performance, in your photographs, uploading your performances. And if someone comes back and says, well, I don't like it, it hits you emotionally. And it's, you know, for your mental well-being, it's can be a quite a dangerous arena. Absolutely. And people do forget that every performance is unique. There is no other performance ever. And they can't recreate what they've just done. And social media has a habit of destroying uniqueness at times because it can be cruel. Yeah, it can, it, yes, it, it can be very, very cruel. So you've got to develop a little bit of a thick skin. So know what you're getting into and be aware of the pitfalls as well as the upside. Yeah, and if you have a communication, make sure... I think it was Gina Luciani said it uh, a few weeks ago on her podcast, Glow With Music, (laughs) that uh, she has a 24-hour rule. If somebody is uh, nasty to somebody who's made a comment on her post, she leaves it 24 hours and then goes back very rationally rather than emotionally. Mm. And I think that's important for musicians because it's very, very easy to have an immediate emotional response, which yeah. then leads to another feed and another conversation. It just escalates if you're not careful. And then your priority goes away from yourself, which is as a musician, into a little mini feud or an, a little mini argument. And you see it on Facebook all the time. You do, unfortunately. But that's, that's the pitfall of, of social media. So you've just got to be aware of what can happen. And I said, be, be truthful to yourself, be honest 
and authentic. Don't make yourself to be something that you're not. And the more interactive you are, the greater your numbers and your growth on these social media platforms will be. If you're not interactive, you won't grow. Mm -hmm. And if you don't grow, you're not using that as a promotional Mm -hmm. tool. Yeah, the other only thing I would say about uh, one of the, how, about being careful about this is that it's also very easy just to be promoting yourself as being absolutely wonderful and everything's <laughs> fanta- everything's fantastic. I'm uh, getting lots of concerts. Everybody loves me. You know, won't believe what a wonderful time I had on oh, the previous Oh, that's concert. social media for you, isn't it? The world and has had a beautiful, t- better time yes, than me. Yes, yes that you know, I'm wonderful, and you know, it's always like this. So I think also it's, it, it's, it's so important to actually to help promote other people that you like. So, you know, to, to put on Instagram, you know, I've just listened to this fantastic performance of whoever it might be, or such such person is playing here, go and support them. So that you are also open to other people and, and you're aware of other performers and and help them along. Well, it's a sense of community that social media does bring yeah. that in on mass can be very supportive to you as an individual. And also on Instagram especially, most of the top Instagrammers on the, in the flute side are very open when they've had a bad day. And it's almost, well, you are normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think that's quite, it's quite hard. I mean, certainly in the classical world, I think it's more difficult or has been more difficult. I think in... In different genres, people are a little bit more open. Yeah. The classical world has always been a little bit more closed, and you know, you you, you don't let on that you might have had a bad day or mm-hmm. a bad performance. I think younger audiences, uh, younger performance performers, are more open to that. Yeah. So, that, which brings me to another point. Actually, talking about different genres is that another way of building a brand and building a wider audience is thinking about how you will, will appeal to a wider audience. So we've talked about using social media. Mm-hmm. That helps your appeal. But you could say that classical music is has been fading, although at the moment I know that listening to classical music is on the up again. But if you introduce different genres and different textures within the music you're uploading or playing that helps appeal to a wider audience so it might be that you use uh, different instrumentalists you use backing cds you do live streaming it's a dangerous one but it's really really important live streaming is is very easy to do and you you could just pick up people list people you pick up an audience you might not normally get with a bit of live streaming do you know if i thought about it we should have live stream this podcast shouldn't we or maybe we should do it next time (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think my microphone's going in and out again. So, uh, well, I'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll know when we listen back. Yeah, that's why I'm letting you do the talking for a change. And <laughs> I'm not butting in. So, well, we've covered quite a lot now, John Paul, on on uh, building the brand, going over our two podcasts. It's a very, very important area, and something you have to think about and plan, and it shouldn't be haphazard. It needs thinking about and planning and do something about it each week. Think about it, how you're going to uh, progress it and make contact with whoever you want your audience to be. And don't always focus on the nice things that are said to you. You said listen to constructive criticism. 
because that is where you learn that's where you can grow and it may be that you walk onto the stage and you 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 don't look very comfortable when you're walking on it may be that someone says to you you're touching your mouth too much when you're talking just little tiny things but you have to ask don't you because we're a delicate breed you just come off stage and you've played really well but you just remember the bits that you haven't played really well yeah, and if someone mentions it, it's really difficult. It's a bit like someone's uh, sort of making a comment about your body image, you know. Absolutely. You're, you're too heavy, you're too thin, you're, you know. Um, you, you, you play the flutes, you, you, you angle your flutes too low. Yeah, yeah. or you slump, you slump your shoulders, whatever it might be. It really sort of can hit home and really affect you mentally. And so we have to develop a little bit of a thicker skin. But constructive criticism is important. Um, a lot of people don't like criticism, but criticism is how we develop um, if it's constructive. And that's how we, as a, I think we, t- we touched on it in the last podcast, as a brand, we rely on comments back. Yeah. Positives are great, but they don't mean anything to us. It means that we've done something right. It's the bit that we can learn. You know, in other words, what isn't right about it? And then can we solve that? But without that bit, as a brand, you can't grow. You end up yeah. floating like a rudderless boat. You know when you're on a lake and you ha- you've got the two oars, and you go forward, but you forget how to row all of a sudden, and one oar goes faster than the other one, and you go around in a circle. Yeah. Unless you take criticism on board and discard that has just been said for criticism's sake and think, actually, that means nothing, but... That criticism, actually, I agree with that. I can see what they mean. And then build on that and take note of that. Mm. Then both always work together and you can yeah. start going in the right way. Yeah, very good analogy. Uh, another thing to think, one of, sort of maybe final thing to think about is that from your perspective, you're part of a, a big business. Mm-hmm. And so it's not always personal. No. And I think from my perspective and other people from a performance perspective we have to think of ourselves more as a business we are the business absolutely and so and that can sometimes help you not take things so personally you think of yourself as a business back to this building the brand and you're doing everything you can to help improve it now if you were part of a company if someone made a derogatory comment about your company you wouldn't take it personally. It would be the company that would mm-hmm. sort it out. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are a performer and you're struggling, try and think of yourself more as a business and keep it in a sort of separate compartment. So you're CEO of your business and depending which head you've got on, if you're after money, if you've got cash flow, then you'll put your finance director's head on. If you're looking at studying, you're putting your research and development head on. If you're looking at promoting yourself, your sales and marketing head on, I like that. Yeah. And if you're unsure, go and have a chat to someone. Go and have an informal chat with someone who maybe runs a business. Someone, talk to someone outside of music to see how they work and see if you can incorporate some of their ideas into your own. That's very interesting because, as you, you said a few minutes ago, the music classical music business is quite closed. So would you recommend people look at how other industries and people within industries or artists yep. and performers, how they market themselves, how footballers yes. do, actors, actresses do? Yep. But also slightly close to home, how different genres of music making, how those performers mm. promote themselves 
how they um, how, how they uh, um, sort of letting the world see them is very different to the classical music performer. Yes. So it's case you can you know we can learn each can learn from the other. But ultimately, you have to know your niche and you have to know yourself. Yeah, and then work on your unique selling points and push that. Don't forget the practice. Oh, yeah, but that... that. <laughs> That's the given. Yeah. If, you, if you don't have something that... A good brand, if you don't have the quality, then building on it is not going to work. So you've got to put in the work, the practice, in order to promote that, to promote that level. And we're always learning, so you'll always be developing. But you've got to put the practice in. There's no alternative to that bottom line, which is practice. And from a commercial perspective, that word practice is listen. So for us, we have to constantly listen. For a performer, you have to constantly practice. So there's correlations between building a brand between a business brand, like we have with TJ Flutes, and as a performer and professor like yourself. There are various correlations yeah, there certainly are. So, well, I hope that's been that's been useful to people listening. Well, it's certainly been useful for me because I've shut up for a change. <laughs> it's it's such an important part of performance, the way people see you. So, and there are so many factors involved. Do you think we would be better off asking people what they think our strong points and could be weak yes, points are? Uh, and, and also maybe people could write in and say what they do to help build their own brand. Uh, if we've mm. missed things out, which I'm sure we have done. Um, well, yeah, because this isn't scripted. We just sit here and chat with the coffee. Yep, yep. So very interested to hear people's views. And as always, it's the email is flutepodcasts at gmail.com. It is. And also you have a Facebook page as well, don't you? We have a Talking Flutes Facebook page. And, you know, I'll be putting things on uh, Instagram as well because... Uh, We've been talking about doing all these sorts of things on social media. We have. We're talking about branding. So my Instagram is TJ Flutes. And mine is Claire Claire Flute. Flute. Yeah. And my Twitter is Flute. Very good. (laughs) So if you talk about branding, so we put our brands out to you, but we're quite sick. Yeah. And my Twitter is at Claire Flute. Yeah. So So you've... you've Oh, one thing I haven't mentioned is consistency of branding. Uh Consistency of branding and consistency of communication is important, certainly for a product that we do. And I'd imagine consistency is exactly the same for the musician. Uh, Yes, yeah, absolutely. You need to be definitely need to be consistent with the message that you're putting across. Mm -hmm. So that is awesome to think about. So, well, thank Mm -hmm. you, John Paul. It's been it's been really interesting for me to actually talk about about this and actually think about all the all the things involved. It's quite um, complicated building a brand, isn't it? It, it, it is it quite. It should be simple. Well, it's, it's something that develops with you. As you develop, so your brand develops. That's how you have to think about it. Yep, so don't worry too much, but just focus on the core you, and then the rest should just sort of slip in with, uh, like, building blocks. Yeah, absolutely. So, many thanks. Well, my pleasure, Until my lady. Till next time. Yeah, you sure I can't pinch this one for Talking Flutes Extra? No, this is definitely Talking Flutes. And from Talking Flutes Extra, I would just like to say thank you. No, no, okay, you can have this one, I'm getting the eyes. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me down, Claire. You're very welcome. Oh, and Pete said goodbye as well.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.